Chapter Five of Virgin Soil, Volume One, by Ivan Turgenev, translated by Constance Garnett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. In the drawing room of a large stone house with columns and a Greek facade built in the twenties of the present century by a landowner noted for devotion to agriculture and for the free use of his fists, the father of Sipiagin, his wife Valentina Mialovna, a very handsome woman, was from hour to hour expecting her husband's arrival for which she had been prepared by a telegram the decoration of the drawing-room bore the stamp of a modern refined taste everything in it was charming and attractive everything from the agreeably varied tints of the creton upholstery and draperies to the different lines of the china bronze and glass knick-knacks scattered about on the tables and etagere all fell into subdued harmony and blended together in the bright may sunshine which streamed freely in at the high wide-open windows the air of the room heavy with the scent of lilies of the valley great nosegays of these exquisite spring flowers made patches of white here and there was stirred from time to time by an inrush of the light breeze which was softly fluttering over the luxuriant leafage of the garden a charming picture and the lady of the house valentina mialovna completed the picture lent it life and meaning she was a tall woman of thirty with dark brown hair a dark but fresh face of one uniform tint recalling the features of the sistine madonna with marvellous deep velvety eyes her lips were rather wide and colourless her shoulders rather high her hands rather large but for all that any one who had seen how freely and gracefully she moved about the drawing-room at one time bending her slender somewhat constricted figure over her flowers and sniffing them with a smile at another moving some chinese vase then rapidly readjusting her glossy hair and half closing her divine eyes before the glass any one we say would certainly have exclaimed to himself or aloud that he had never met a more fascinating creature a pretty curly-headed boy of nine in a scotch kilt with bare legs much pomaded and befrizzed ran impetuously into the drawing-room and stopped suddenly on seeing valentina mialovna what is it kolya she asked her voice was as soft and velvety as her eyes well mamma the boy began in confusion auntie sent me here she told me to bring her some lilies of the valley for her room she has none valentina mialovna took her little son by the chin and lifted his little pomaded head tell your auntie to send to the gardener for lilies those lilies are mine i don't want them touched tell her i don't like my arrangements disarranged can you repeat my words yes i can muttered the boy well then say them i will say i will say you won't let her have them valentina mialovna laughed her laugh too was soft i see it's no use giving you messages well never mind tell her anything you think of the boy hurriedly kissed his mother's hand which was completely covered with rings and rushed headlong away valentina mialovna followed him with her eyes sighed and went up to a cage of gold wire on the walls of which a green parrot was clambering wearily hooking on by his beak and his claws she teased him with her fingertip then sank into a low lounge and taking from a carved round table the last number of the revue des deux mondes she began to skim its pages a respectful cough made her look round in the doorway stood a handsome footman in livery and a white cravat what is it agafon inquired valentina mialovna still in the same soft voice semyon petrovich kalomietsev is here shall i show him up ask him up of course and send word to mariana vikentievna to come down to the drawing-room 
Valentina Mihailovna flung the Revue des Deux Mondes on a little table, and leaning back on the lounge, she turned her eyes upwards and looked thoughtful, which suited her extremely. From the very way Semyon Petrovich Kalomietsev, a young man of two and thirty, entered the room, easily, carelessly, and languidly, from the way he suddenly beamed politely, bowed a little on one side, and drew himself up like elastic afterwards, from the way he spoke half condescendingly, half affectedly, respectfully took Valentina Mihailovna's hand, and effusively kissed it. From all this one might judge that the visitor was not an inhabitant of the province, a mere casual country neighbour, even one of the richest, but a real Petersburg swell of the highest fashion. He was dressed, too, in the best English style. The coloured border of his white cambric handkerchief peeped in a tiny triangle out of the flat side pocket of his tweed jacket. A single eyeglass dangled on a rather wide black ribbon. The pale, dull tint of his suede gloves corresponded with the pale grey of his check trousers. Close shorn was Mr. Kalyomietsev, and smoothly shaven. His rather feminine face, with its small eyes set close together, its thin depressed nose, and its full red lips, was expressive of the agreeable ease of a well-bred nobleman. It was all affability, and it very easily turned vindictive, even coarse. Someone or something had but to vex Semyon Petrovitch, to jar on his conservative, patriotic and religious principles. Oh, then he became pitiless. All his elegance evaporated instantly. His soft eyes glowed with an evil light. His little pretty mouth gave forth ugly words, and appealed, with piteous whines appealed, to the strong arm of the government. Semyon Petrovitch's family had sprung from simple market gardeners. His great-grandfather had been known in the parts from which he came as Kolomentsov, but his grandfather even had changed his name to Kolomezov. His father wrote it as Kalometsev. Finally, Semyon Petrovitch had inserted the Y, and quite seriously regarded himself as an aristocrat of the purest blood. He even hinted at his family's being descended from the barons von Gallenmeyer, one of whom had been the Austrian field marshal in the Thirty Years' War. Semyon Petrovitch was in the ministry of the court, and he had the title of a Kammerjunker. He was prevented by his patriotism from entering the diplomatic service, for which he seemed destined by everything, his education, his knowledge of the world, his popularity with women, and his very appearance. Mais quittez la Russie, jamais! Kalomietsev had a fine property and had connections. He had the reputation of a trustworthy and devoted man. Un peu trop féodal dans ses opinions, as the distinguished Prince B, one of the leading lights of the Petersburg official world, had said of him. Kalomietsev had come to S. province on a two-month's leave to look after his property, that is to say, to scare some and squeeze others. Of course, there's no doing anything without that. I expected to find Boris Andreitch here by now, he began, politely swaying from one foot to the other, and with a sudden sidelong look in imitation of a very important personage. Valentina Mihailovna made a faint grimace. Or oh, you would not have come? Kalomietsev all but fell backwards, so unjust, so inconsistent with the facts did Valentina Mihailovna's question seem to him. Valentina Mihailovna, he cried, heavens! Could you suppose... Well, well, sit down. Boris Andreitch will be here directly. I have sent the carriage to the station for him. Wait a little. You will see him. What time is it now? Half past two, replied Kalomietsev, pulling out of his waistcoat pocket a big gold watch decorated with enamel. He showed it to Madame Sipiagin. Have you seen my watch? It was a present from Mihail, you know, the Servian prince, Obrenovich. Here's his crest, look. 
we are great friends we used to go hunting together a capital fellow and a hand of iron as a ruler should have oh he won't stand any nonsense no kalomietsev sank into an easy chair crossed his legs and began in a leisurely way to draw off his left glove if only we had someone like mikhail here in our province why are you discontented with anything kalomietsev puckered up his nose yes always that provincial council that provincial council what good is it it simply weakens the administration and arouses superfluous ideas kalomietsev waved his bare left hand freed from the compression of the glove and impossible expectations kalomietsev breathed on his hand i have talked of this at petersburg mais bah the wind's not in that quarter now even your husband imagine but of course he's a well-known liberal madame sipiagin drew herself up on the little lounge what you monsieur kalomietsev you in opposition to the government i in opposition never on no account mais j'ai mon franc parler i sometimes criticize but i always submit and i do just the opposite i don't criticize and i don't submit ah mais c'est un mot i will if you will allow me repeat your remark to my friend ladislas vous savez he is writing a society novel and has already read me some chapters it will be magnificent nous aurons enfin le grand monde russe peint par lui-même where is it to appear in the russian messenger of course it is our revue des deux mondes i see you are reading that yes but do you know it is getting very dull perhaps perhaps and the russian messenger perhaps for some time past to speak in the language of the day has been just a wee bit groggy kalomietsev laughed heartily he thought it very amusing to say groggy and even a wee bit mais c'est un journal qui se respecte he went on and that's the chief thing i i must admit take very little interest in russian literature such plebeians are always figuring in it nowadays it's positively come to the heroine of a novel being a cook a plain cook parole d'honneur but ladislas's novel i shall certainly read il y aura le petit mot pour rire and the tendency the tendency the nihilists will be exposed i can answer for ladislas's way of thinking on that subject qui est très correct more than one can say for his past remarked madame sibiagin ah jetons un voile sur les erreurs de sa jeunesse cried kalomietsev as he pulled off his right glove again valentina mihilovna faintly fluttered her eyelids she was in the habit of making rather free use of her marvellous eyes semyon petrovitch she observed may i ask you why it is that in speaking russian you use so many french words i fancy excuse my saying so that's gone out of fashion why why everyone has not such a perfect mastery of our mother tongue as you for instance as for me i recognize the russian language as the language of imperial decrees of government regulations i prize its purity i do homage to karamzin but the russian so to say everyday language does it really exist how for instance could you translate my exclamation de tout à l'heure c'est un mot it's a word fancy i should say that's a clever saying kalomietsev laughed a clever saying valentina mihalovna but don't you feel there's something scholastic directly all the raciness has gone well you won't convince me but what is mariana doing she rang the bell 
a page appeared i gave orders to ask mariana vikentievna to come down to the drawing-room hasn't my message been taken to her before the page had time to answer there was seen in the doorway behind him a young girl in a loose dark blouse with her hair cropped short mariana vikentievna sipiagin's niece End of chapter 5